Welcome to the Cyber Guy Podcast, your source for engaging cyber education, cyber discussions, and a look at current cyber news and trends with retired FBI Special Agent Darren Mott. Hello, friends. Welcome to another edition of the Cyber Guy Podcast. I am your host, retired FBI Supervisory Special Agent Darren Mott. In this episode, two more, two of the last interviews from the 2022 National Cyber Summit. I'm, I think I held the last two, or the best two for last. Um, there's going to be Chandler Hall from Centaur and Rob or Bob Wheeler from clearjobs.net. Two interesting conversations. Um, Bob's is particularly interesting if you're looking to break into the cybersecurity field, especially with the federal government, because his um, he works for the entity that posts job postings and stuff like that. We have a pretty good conversation about, you know, finding jobs and the the job shortage within cybersecurity and things like that. So those will be coming along in a minute after I talk about a couple news items of the week. One is um, an interesting article I read regarding Russians war in Ukraine. And the, um, the article is titled what businesses can learn or should learn rather from uh, or at least three cybersecurity takeaways for enterprises from Russia's war on Ukraine. Second article is going to be from Forbes. It's going to be on, yes, you guessed it, TikTok. I know it seems like I'm really taking a lot of efforts to, to, to bash TikTok, but I think there's reasons behind it. Um, and so we're going to talk about TikTok one more time. So if you want to skip that part and go right to the interviews, I certainly guess I, I certainly get it. But it's Thanksgiving week, so before we get to any of this, I want to wish you all, you, your family, your friends, your folks you work with, your neighbors, a a happy and safe Thanksgiving week. I hope you enjoy the football games. I hope you take some time off to be with your family, uh, as I intend to, to do. And. Uh, Hopefully over the weekend, if I have some time, I'll, I'll throw out another podcast there. Another couple of things, um, my Cyber Smart podcast, I am in the middle of a several episode series on protecting your kids online. These are seven to 10 minute little clips on uh, ways as a parent you should think about or at least be understanding of the cyber threats that are out there for your kids as they enter the world of technology use with cell phones and digital media and iPads and social networks and all that kind of stuff. So feel free to, to take a look at that. If you have a friends uh, who have preteens uh, and they're, they're just getting their kids into the, the world of technology, have them check out those podcasts. I'm actually going to transform those into some other stuff down the line, but I'm still working on what that's going to look like. I'm also taking the get cyber smart podcast and doing it in video form. So you can find that on YouTube at get cyber smart. Um, there's a webpage or I mean a YouTube page, Get cyber smart, cyber spelled C-Y-B-U-R. But let's get to these couple articles. First one is from VentureBeat.com. The title of this particular article is Russia's War in Ukraine, Three Cybersecurity Takeaways for Enterprise. It's always important as a company to learn from things going on in the world as, as organizations, especially organizations of ill intent, use technology to do bad things. But this is uh, the author of this particular article is, if I can find the name, You'd think they'd have it at the top, but they don't. It is, doesn't say. So Martin Lee, Martin Lee, I'm sorry. Martin Lee is the author of this particular article. He's a technical lead of security research within Talos, Cisco's threat intelligence and research organization. So here's what he says. Um, I thought it was pretty good. I'm going to just kind of not read the whole thing. I'm going to take a couple things from this. But offensive cyber actions are an integral part of modern armed conflict. The Russian invasion of Ukraine has been no exception. Russia has 
had already shown it could damage the fledgling democracy through cyber warfare. Since at least 2013, suspected Russian attacks against Ukraine have included attacks against critical national infrastructure. For example, the NotPetya destructive worm of 2017, which remains Ukraine's most destructive cyber attack, and that originated uh, with actors from Russia, it is largely believed. So since the invasion of Russia into the Ukraine, there's been a continuous onslaught of attacks against both the public and private sectors cyber-wise, um, but, but organizations have largely been able to repel them. This demonstrates that with planning, preparation, and the necessary resources, attacks conducted by even the most sophisticated and persistent cyber attackers can be defeated. Uh, and so a couple of things um, that they, they know on this is customized security and defenses against threats and attacks. A proactive defense customized to your environment makes attacks more difficult to conduct and easier to detect. Harden your systems. Remove network connections, services, applications, and systems that are no longer required. Keep only those critical to the business. If your business has many applications providing similar functionality, agree to one and remove the remainder. Certainly, and this is it kind of gets to closetware where people buy a lot of technology to kind of do the same things. They don't configure them right. They don't know what they're doing with them. And so they have a lot of technology in place they think is set to protect them and at the end of the day it does not do that so you know you should try to limit those systems on your on your network to make it easier to maintain of course especially because when we look at cybersecurity, there needs to be a coordination between the it part of your house and the security part of your house a lot of times those two things come in conflict because they each think that what they're doing is the right thing and, and there's just fights in between the two. So it's important that those two entities find ways to work successfully together. They have the same goal to protect the network. They shouldn't be fighting each other. They should be working together to help harden systems and make it harder for cyber attackers to do bad things. Uh, the second thing, defend your crown jewel. Something I have been saying for God knows how long. And this is the most important thing. If you don't know what the important data is on your network, it's impossible to protect them. So you got to figure out what is the most important things on your networks that you want to protect and then harden the systems around them so that they are protected. So you defend your um, active vigilance, uh, like any, this is from the article, like any criminal activity, cyber attacks leave evidence at the scene of the crime. Even the most sophisticated of attackers leave traces that can be uncovered and may, cho may choose to use mundane commodity tools to perpetrate their activity. So don't prioritize, deprioritize or downplay the discovery of relatively common or unsophisticated malicious tool or do use software. So basically what that he's saying there is look at your network and find, you know, even odd changes in your network are important to look at from an evidentiary standpoint to try to figure out, you know, what is going on here uh, how do we protect ourselves from it? How, what do we learn from this tool? And is it, it a, perhaps it's a uh, put on there to divert your attention from the actual malicious, more sophisticated tools that are being used in the background. Another thing this article posts is to use threat intelligence to improve security. And I certainly have been saying this for a long time. The problem really you get into this is where do you get it from? There's so many different areas to get threat intelligence, um, to purchasing um, threat intelligence information from certain vendors that'll provide that for you to belonging to organizations that will share intelligence like InfraGuard and things like that. But really what you need is someone to within your organization who can kind of collate all of that threat intelligence into things important to your company. Cause not all threat intelligence is built the same. In other words, if it's threat intelligence against public health information and you're a bank, that's really not that important to you. You worried about personal identifiable information and, 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 you know, financial type of information. So you kind of have to weed through all the threat intelligence feeds out there to find that stuff that's important to you. So you really need to have someone in charge 
of or just mandated to do that kind of threat intelligence overview. Now, ideally, if we're lucky, we'll get to a point where the private and public sector can work together better to share information. There's an article this week, I don't have it in front of me, that had to do with the NSA opening an unclassified facility where private sector companies could come and work with them. I hope it works. I hope it's, I hope what they're planning to do there is effective because the more intelligence and information we can share about cyber attackers, the more likely it is everyone can kind of protect themselves from that. So an interesting article, if you want to find it, I'll post a link to the article on my LinkedIn page when I post about this podcast being available. And I'll also post it in the show notes. Now, second news article today, I know you will not be real surprised at the title, but it is from Forbes.com. This is from the 18th of November. So it's from yesterday. I'm, I'm recording this on the 19th and it's called, or it says, is TikTok really a national security threat? Question mark by Peter Sikiu. Um, And I will tell you, and I'm sure Peter will tell us, hopefully he's going to say this, that they are a national security threat. So earlier this week, FBI Director Chris Wray told lawmakers in Washington he was extremely concerned that Beijing could weaponize data collected via the social media app TikTok. During a House Homeland Security hearing on current threats to the United States, the FBI head said that Beijing could harness the video sharing app to influence users or even control their devices. Ray's warning came just days after Senator Marco Rubio was joined by U.S. Representative Mike Gallagher in calling for a national ban on TikTok. At issue with Senator Rubio and Representative Gallagher is the fact that under China's 2017 national intelligence law, all of its citizens and businesses are required to assist in intelligence gathering and must share any data with Beijing. So this is certainly a problem. TikTok, I'm sure. I do not have a TikTok account. I've never had a TikTok account. I have seen TikTok videos when people have posted them, but I'm not certain how the platform runs. I don't have an account, obviously. I mean, it's just like, I'm sure it's video sharing like any other one. But you have to understand that, you know, TikTok is designed to collect as much data from its users as as it possibly can. This becomes problematic in many different ways. So let's say that you are an 18-year-old and you are posting your stuff on TikTok and in 10 years, you have a change of conscience. You decide you want to go work for the government in some kind of covert capacity for the CIA or some other three-letter agency. China now knows who you are. They have facial recognition. They know all sorts of things that they can share with their adversaries. Therefore, that limits your capability to do things within that organization because you can't work covertly. You can only work overtly in your real name. That is bad for U.S. intelligence gathering in the future. Also down the line, let's say you put embarrassing videos on TikTok, which as a 16-year-old, you don't think is too bad, but as a 26-year-old, you might. And now you work for a business looking to do business in, in China, and they use that information on TikTok, that embarrassing video, against you to, to you know, cause you to make the deal go bad. I mean, there's a lot of different things they can do with that inform- the information they now possess of you and the things you've done on that particular site. The whole thing about... Um, running apps on your phone is a whole nother side impact that I don't think anyone's looked at because obviously China has access to TikTok source code. ByteDance, the company that owns TikTok is in Beijing. Um, and so certainly they could use, they could insert code that would make it easy to surveil the information on your phone or your iPad or your computer, wherever you're using it. So certainly a lot of different issues there making TikTok a huge national security risk. I would just wish more people would, um, you know, take into account the issues uh, around TikTok. You can read more about this um, particular article. Again, it's at Forbes. I'll post a link to the article 
uh, in the show notes. There's a lot more to it than I'm reading here. That's just kind of the gist of it. It just, it just gave me another reason to bang on TikTok for a little while longer, and, and why the hell not? So without any further ado, let's get to our my final two interviews from the National Cyber Summit held here in Huntsville back in September. This is going to be um, Chandler Hall from a company here in Huntsville called Centaur and Bob Wheeler from clearjobs.net. All right, well, I'm joined now by Jay Chandler Hall, the cyber evangelist for Centaur Inc. here in Huntsville. Chandler, thanks so much for taking the time to stop by. Thank you for having me. Let's start off with what is a cyber evangelist? <laughs> well, I jokingly tell people I just run around and slap them on the head and say, change your password. That's a good one, <laughs> and yes. We, and we don't have enough of that either. Don't right? click on links. Yeah, don't click on links. But um, So when I joined Centaur, um, they do a lot of government, uh, a lot of DOD cybersecurity services, and rightly so, we're concerned about their own visibility and targetability. Um, and I've just been someone who's been in sales and marketing for 30 years, and so I'm used to getting on a stage, I'm used to getting in front of people, and uh, and I don't have any young children in my household, so maybe I'm a little mm. more <laughs> mm. uh, risk acceptable, but um, they gave me the opportunity, they asked me what I wanted to do, what I really wanted to do. So this hopefully is my last uh, real career change. I did this about eight, nine years ago. Uh, for the rest of my career, I kind of wanted to get back to my roots of being when I was a teenager. Uh, and have realized in the first year I worked for Centaur that uh, we're not winning this cyber war thing. And actually, a couple of times, probably the past eight years, I didn't sleep well after hearing something. Mm -hmm. um, so evangelizing that we can all do a better job in every area of our career is uh, something that I love to do. And my mother wanted this other Baptist preacher, and it's all I could give her. <laughs> gotcha, okay. So, so how'd you get involved in the cyber world in general? So where did it all start for you? Um, uh, um, in general, um, I was, uh, my brother, two years older than me, was dragging me with him, luckily, on a Friday or Saturday night down to Georgia Tech, uh, where he would let me log on to his account and we'd play Star Wars on a mainframe kind of thing or mm -hmm. Star Trek I guess oh boy that was a bad miss swing and miss wasn't it ah, they're both <laughs> good they're, they're, there's yeah. positives and negatives to both I just started a war somewhere yeah. <laughs> true yeah that's alright yeah. but uh, started there uh, and then uh, got a CS degree in, in um, college very early on is in the 80s the wave of people that that oh I should go into computer science is a little bit behind me um, and uh, and so I've kind of been able to be kind of on the cutting edge which oftentimes meant there were lots of um, interesting angles on how to get into a computer and reboot it or if you need to fix it or you know all that kind of stuff and and so I, uh, I really enjoyed um, the puzzle solving part of hacking I did notice we had a real issue in the college days where registration was occurring and uh, I commented in class when I was a junior or senior, I, did, I was a student financial aid working in the, the computer lab, to the professor that ran registration, she was using it as an example of security because everything was compartmentalized. And the person at the registration desk didn't have access to the actual student records, which is a good thing, TM, right? And I, um, and I said, yeah, but that's just a one-way protection. What you do have is a huge vulnerability in the registration process. In those days, as a student, you were sent a green bar printout with your student classes that you'd passed and the number of total hours. And if you had more than 50 registered this day, if you had more than 80 registered a day earlier, right? Mm -hmm. And when everybody wanted to be a computer science uh, uh, person, there weren't enough classes, and that became lines at 1 a.m. in the morning and, you know, things like that. Right, right, so right. I mentioned it, and uh, and the next, you know, week or so, someone comes up to me in a lab and, and uh, shows me a program, because I basically said, look, that's just a printf statement, you know, it was Fortran back then, yep. and, uh, and I can print a fake record, and I show that green bar at the window, and since they don't have access to the student records, they can't check me, and they're going to let me register. Well, sure enough, a bunch 
bunch of freshman girls registered on the day of seniors. Uh, they were all in the same <laughs> sorority. Uh, I, they had come up, one of the girls had come up to me earlier and had said she couldn't get this program to print. And I, and my job title, literally, my job explanation was fix, help them fix their syntax, don't write their program. So I showed her where her semicolon was not in the right column. And chuckled to myself because I recognized what she was doing. Right, sure. And of course, she she went and got caught with six other friends, and they called me out. So I'm talk, sent to the dean for expulsion. Jeez. Oh, right? And we kind of talked it over. And instead, I was sent to Fort McClellan for the first FBI conducted. Um, it wasn't called cybersecurity back then. Right. But uh, essentially, a um, uh, a cyber class on things like Trojan horses and and you know hit escape before you log in and things of that nature for the criminal investigation department down at Fort McClellan, which is near. I went to Jackson State University, so it was real close. Right? Okay. Yeah. So that really piqued my interest, and after that, um, I was with Intergraph Corporation out of Huntsville. Uh, got real into system uh, architecture from the user angle, the admin angle. Angle. I did a lot of teaching, um, and it's just it's just continued. So no matter what job I've had in startups, we've done I've done security job, a security company in the past where we built a, 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 a small little easy to install right in front of your firewall uh, thing that really cleaned up the TCP/IP handshake and really helped prevent denial of service for less than a thousand dollars. Nice. And so that one SC Magazine, Secure Computing Magazine's uh, best product of the year, and it was like nine hundred bucks, right? Uh, that got purchased. We sold that to Japan Communications and. Incorporated. Uh, I helped co-found another company in town that was uh, essentially the founders of the KVM keyboard video monitor switch. Yep. Right? Um, they decided that there was a better way than analog. They wanted to do digital bus extension and things of that nature. And again, that matched very well with uh, federal environments where they would say lock up disk drives every night. Mm-hmm. Now you could basically use kind of a, a server farm of blade ser- uh, PCs and put appliances on the desk with no disk drives in them at all. And you could disable USB with the jumper, you know, things like that, right? So, again, I just kind of keeps falling clo- close into that kind of security world. Uh, and I looked around when I hit 55 or so, maybe it was young 50s, and went, I want to do one more change because I like change. And, uh, and I thought, okay, I can go get a clearance probably. I've had a Q clearance in the past. Um, and I think government computing is an area where uh, I can get back into cybersecurity. And sure enough, Centaur was nice enough to take a gamble on me. And okay. They said uh, at the time, they're like, you're a different kind of guy, but let's give it a shot. <laughs> so, how it, so how have you seen from your freshman girls changing their registration capabilities to now, how have the threats modified Ooh. or changed? Oh, my gosh, right. It is an entirely... Uh, it's it's the, the the kitty hacking days are over really. I mean they're probably still going on, but that's not the threat. I mean the right, threats yeah, yeah. really are uh, so advanced. Um, it is so uh, tough of a challenge, and it moves so fast. Uh, partly, I continue my evangelizing by talking to teenagers that are looking as to where they should go in their career. And I encourage them, because I'm a marketing and sales guy, I've traveled all over the world, I get to go to trade shows like this and do presentations. I'm not someone, even though I have a coding degree, that has ever spent eight hours coding on a, on a, on a machine, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of roles, and, and I try to explain to everybody that cybersecurity is touching every bit of it. I mean, it, it is so important, uh, ransomware. Uh, I, you know, back, I, I work in a government company, so there's this thing called CMMC. You've probably had a bunch of people talk to you about yeah, it. Probably yeah, tires yeah. and tired of spelling it, right? <laughs> um, I got to tell you, I get two phone calls, types of phone calls in my, in my business here, all right? I get people that call me to say, I got to do this DFAR CMMC yeah. NIST thing because the government's going to make me. Right. And then I have the call that goes, I'm worried about ransomware. 
and my company being actually vulnerable. And I'm so thankful when you hear those because those are the real problems. You know, utility but, companies. Okay, but hold on. But is that coming from the owner or CEO of the company or from the IT director who is worried about the system, but once he goes to CEO and says, we're going to have to pay this much stuff or whatever, they go, huh? well, oh, yeah. we don't have anything anybody would want. Yeah, it, it's, it's uh, more the latter, unfortunately. Yeah. But I do feel like the tide is turning. I think the visibility of ransomware has made that easier for the IT director. And oftentimes what we're doing at Centaur for him would be to um, come in and basically do a gap analysis at first just to show them where the exposure are. You know, mm -hmm. And then if they want to go a little further and do a pen test or something of that nature to prove to the boss, right? Yeah. Um, but you're right. It, it's still a challenge. Um, uh, I, I tell people, I'm like, uh, like utilities companies, power grid, et cetera, um, the day that we lose power for more than three days is the day my wife flies the surrender flag to the Koreans or the Russians because she's got to dry the air. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, so we've got to do a better job. And while we're, you know, we're wide open, right? We're, we're, we're free as a country and regulations and such. You know, I mean, just the very things that uh, nation states are putting people in our country because some of our best folks are in the services looking only externally are not allowed to look inside, right? So NASA, the NSA is not allowed to really poke around inside, and you know, right. FBI is it, right? Yep, sure. So, uh, so it, it's it's a it's kind of an interesting thing. I was rudely awakened to a lot of that. You know, I was kind of uh, when I first joined Centaur, we had a double PhD guy that had a PhD in lasers and biometrics. He helped work on the Human Genome Project, and he was excited to work on, like, the zero-day malware problem because it was so much more bounded and easy. It's only 256 character set rather than the, you yeah. know, the complexity of that. And I'd ask him, like, Dr. Dr. Yanish, um, I was trying to make some kind of a, some kind of a, you know relationship with them because I need these people to train me and educate me. A lot of times you'll, they'll see an engineer like that or a you know PhD guy like that will see me as just a, a problem, you know, sales guy, yeah, yeah. guy, right? Um, and and so I was like, so so what do you do for password protection? I know I need to up my game. You know, it's eight years ago, right? And he goes, ah, the Chinese got all of it, right? And I'm like. And I'm like, well, how do I respond to that? And so I'm like, well, then maybe my kind of default method of just saving every single thing in the Google inbox is, is it helps. they got to find something, those 10, 10 you know, gigabytes. Good luck. And he goes, I'd have all your most important stuff in five minutes. And I'm like, what? And he says, as soon as I got into your account, I would um, search on everything you sent yourself. So Chandler.Hall at Centaur.com sent something to Chandler.Hall at gmail.com, right? Yeah, that's a good point, yeah. And I went, uh <laughs> He would have pwned me, right? No yep. question, right? Because mm -hmm. that's where I wanted, oh, i got to remember that for the rest of my life. <laughs> right, yeah, sure. Yep. <laughs> you know, so, so it's been an education, and unfortunately it's been an education of how really, really hard this is. So it's not going away. It's going to mm -hmm. be pervasive for a long time. We are lucky to be in the country we're in, and sometimes that takes trade-offs. And right now, I think this is the biggest trade-off everybody in the country faces. And we just, and I literally really preached to the bottom level. I joked about change your password, but everybody that's listening, go home and change your password. Do something. And turn on multi-factor authentication. And turn on, absolutely, right? Absolutely. MFA is available on Facebook. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Luckily, my mother had it. Right. I had a, so, so I had a friend of mine call, a high school friend, and he goes, hey, you know, my somehow my wife, someone created a uh, an Instagram account in her name and sent all of her friends, you know, whatever. I go, okay, yeah, multi-factor authentication turned on. What's that? Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. Let's let's start let's start a let's let's change her password first. Yeah. So let's go thirteen characters or more. Yeah. yeah. And, and so MFA. so where do you let me ask you this question on the passwords? Yeah. I'm asking by this. So, where do you stand on? 
how you do passwords. My argument is this. Now, I'll be honest with you. Let me, yep. let me step back before I give you yep. my argument. I have a password manager, and I have it create random 20-character passwords every time I need a new password for something. So it uses symbols and all that yep. kind of stuff. But I don't need to remember it because I can just go to it and copy and paste it in. Yep. But for most folks, not a lot of people don't use password managers until they, you know, I actually have a podcast on my other, a, a other podcast on how to use password managers, but, you know, no yep. one listens to that other podcast very much, so no, yep. one, no <laughs> one knows all these great ideas I have. Don't listen to that. But... Um, <laughs> I argue that think of something that's easy to, as long as it's lengthy, mm-hmm. it yes. doesn't matter if it's got symbols or not. Yeah. So I say like, for, for example, when I do presentation, I go, if you're, if you're an Alabama fan, if you're in Alabama, mm-hmm. now you're Jackson Stateville mm-hmm. State, so you're probably not so much. But anyway, if you are, you can say, hey, I, like them both. I love Alabama football, Auburn sucks. Yes. 31 characters. Yeah, you can, re- there, you can remember it. <laughs> I mean, yeah. but it's got no special characters. Yeah. Where do you stand on character, special characters and symbols? Um, I do what you do. Okay, so now I do have a password manager, and I do that for like most of all my real serious financial right. life, that kind of stuff. But I'm hybrid. I do a lot of uh, long phrase passes like you do. But I do... Uh, do a, a period or a special character of a hyphen, uh, and I kind of have a format for it, right? So, like with your example, I would maybe be doing the things like I love Alabama football. Dot Auburn sucks. Yeah, and right? I, so I will say, and I say that I use it as an example for people yeah. just just need something easy because yes. even in my own, when I create my own, if I just yep. have an account, like, I don't care if this one gets hacked. I mean, yep. it's, whatever. I'll do. I have a, a, a the first two and last two are always the same. Yep. It's a, it's four symbols yeah. and then the middle is something tv related right so i like watching tv so yeah. it'll be like Total you know rookie yeah. <laughs> rookie number sign nine s it's yeah. the rookies on at nine o'clock on sundays yeah. and then on the outside is two different things so um and although one of those got compromised i want to because wow. it well it was a data breach that yeah. someone lost oh, that password okay, sure. got my password yeah. because i got things saying hey you shouldn't use this one anymore okay right mm-hmm. and thank god we're seeing that it's yes more in the correct tools we use like you know browsers things like that yeah say, Ooh, look at all these passwords right. get rid of them <laughs> yeah because actually i listened to a guy once say hey look you know if a password file is is stolen the bad guy's not there trying to guess what it is. He's using he's using a host of computers that's going to ultimately try to break it. But if it's 13 characters or more, it doesn't matter what the characters are. The chance of breaking it in your lifetime is pretty limited currently. Yeah. Quantum, where do you stand on quantum computing and passwords? We're in trouble next year. Yeah. Oh, is that when they're coming? <laughs> I think, yeah, actually. Yeah. Think, not you and I. Right. We're not going to have one in our house. Because I'm not that important. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, if you were, you know, a, a, a very visible political leader and they wanted to help the other party, Mm-hmm. Those are in trouble. Yeah, <laughs> they're really in trouble, right? So, what's the correction so for that? Is it biometrics um, or where are we going? Te- there are technologies that are starting to appear that are essentially quantum pra- password um, uh, protection type devices okay. or, or methods. Uh, and I got to be frank, that's an area where it is still not something I've invested a lot of research on. Yeah, but I'm, I'm, what I'm doing is I'm providing feedback on the presentations I hear at events and trade shows like this. And I do think this is a great area for most business folks or even just personal individuals. Today, you could be here listening to some amazing presentations for $15, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. It'll probably go up next year. But um, it is it is an area where if everybody would just spend a little bit of time, you know, just a little knowledge on it, um, I think that would help a lot. Business people need to spend much more effort on and it. listen to podcasts like this. I think that, that exactly will, this. that will give you just general information. It won't give you it won't solve all your problems, no. but it'll help you in the direction you need to go without having to do a lot of ones and zeros. It'll motivate you exactly. <laughs> Chandler, thanks so much for coming on. Enjoy the rest of the conference, and uh, you know we should have a, we should have a longer conversation on my podcast in the future. I look forward to it. All Thank right, you very sounds much. good. Thanks. Doing a great service. Thank you. So I'm joined now by Bob Wheeler of clearjobs.net. 
Bob, thanks so much for taking the time to stop by. Hey, I'm glad to be here. So let's talk, well, let's talk first, what is clearjobs.net? Yeah, so clearjobs.net, we're a job board and a job fair company. So we're, we're actually here for the at the Cyber Summit because we put on, we hosted the job fair portion yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we help government contractors specifically find the, the talent they need. Uh, the recruiters use us to find resumes. We do the job fair, stuff like that. And because we're in the government spaces, with especially those cleared folks, uh, lots of cybersecurity folks. I mean, so cyber is definitely something that we're, we're deep into. So we're, we're happy to be here. And great event today. How many people uh, showed up yesterday? Was it, a, was it a good turnout? Yeah, well, uh, the total number of job seekers was 177 resumes that were collected. So that was uh, how many people registered or came through. Uh, job uh, company-wise, we had a sellout. This is six year in a row having a sellout. So... I think with 26, I think the number of companies was 26, but whatever, it was capacity and it sold out over a month ago. So, so to, I assume anyone, you can go to clearjobs.net, get an account and put your stuff like, hey, I'm looking for a job. Okay. Yeah, if, yeah. If, you have a, if you have a security clearance. It's, it's only so you have to have a clearance. Okay, yeah. so that was going to be my question, if you yeah. had to have a clearance. Yeah. yeah, if you got a clearance, it's free to go on there. You, you upload your resume and then uh, all those different government contractors that have access, they search by keyword, by key phrase, by clearance level, that kind of stuff. And what do you find they're looking for in, in the cyber world? What is, what is it they're looking for? What yeah. is the key What is the key, key uh, keyword, I guess? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Keywords is great. They're looking for keywords and key phrases. You know, some of the stuff that... that um, it's, it's interesting. A lot of times people think still that cybersecurity is, is this booming field and there's all these needs. And there are a lot of needs, but there's not as many needs for that entry-level stuff as you might think. Mm-hmm. But they are killing for people with, with, with more experience. Oh, really? You know, it, it's the, the higher level. Because, you know, fit, to have 15 years experience now, you had to have been in this business 15 years ago. Right. What about, a, what about a 20-year F, twenty year FBI agent who works cyber and counterintelligence his whole time and was a manager? Would that be useful? It could be very useful. Okay. Be, should, oh. and, and because it's... It, it, but it's it's a niche thing, you know, yeah, so sure. it's one of those deals where if you're the recruiter trying to fill that position, there's not a lot of you running right. around. Sure, so they're sure. trying to find that one person, you know? Yeah. So what do you, what is the, okay. So that's, that's an interesting question. How, how do people getting into cybersecurity get around the issue of, you know, we want people with three and five years experience. Yeah. Because let's be honest, when you get to 10 years, you're looking at unicorns at this point. Yeah. Yeah. So. It's, and that's a, that's a question we get a lot. And there's a few different ways to do things. You know, building the, it, it sounds so cliche, the whole build your network thing, but that's really, really real. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to, they say you want to have a network before you need it. So you can't just bury your head in a, in a book on getting your SEC plus and get your certification and think right. that when you get done, you're going to be, you know, they, people are going to be throwing money at you. While you're doing those things, you need to be talking to people. You need to be doing that, what I call career intelligence. You know, there's, sure. there's, like, there's like signals intelligence, there's human intelligence. You need careers intelligence. Who's doing what? Who's looking for things? I tell people, you know, volunteer for stuff. Come to events like this, you yep. know, at the National Cyber Summit. You meet people. You meet program managers when you're here. You go to the job fairs. You meet people. That's what's going to take. Uh, and then on top of that, you can do things like volunteer work of, you know, building your own stuff in the sandbox, doing your things, just trying to show that you're curious. And eventually they're going to hire you because you're Darren Mott. <laughs> not because you're a piece of paper that says Darren Mott's resume. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I have a, so a friend of mine said, look, one of the things they do in this town, I don't do it much myself because, I mean, I have a job, but I'm always, you know, yeah. no one's ever satisfied. I, I already had a career. Mm-hmm. My career is over. Now I'm just looking for jobs. So, um, like, the beers for engineers and stuff mm-hmm. like this. P- people going to the local breweries and hanging out for two hours and talking. So, I... That's that's one of the recommendations he said. Just go. That's how you network with people. Yeah, but in the networking piece is it's not just enough to meet somebody for one time for fifteen minutes. That's sure. not networking. I got you. You know, you're better off meeting some of the same people over the course of, of a few months, mm-hmm. even for short amounts of time. You know, so they get to see you on a, in a different number of occasions. Whether right. and that can be 
real life or virtual too. They can, if they meet you and then a few weeks later that you connect with them on LinkedIn, you know, and then next thing you know, you're at some other event and you happen to run into them. It's that consistent piece as opposed to just saying, Hey, I just met you. Can I have a job? Like that's not networking. Right. You know, and where is, what is the, so if you're, you're building your resume, you're going through your career, it's where do you stand on, or what are employers looking at from a, someone who has no degree, but they have certifications up mm-hmm. the wazoo, someone who has a two-year degree and a couple certifications, and maybe someone who has a four-year degree, but didn't get any certifications yet. What yeah. is the, how does that, I mean, what, you know, what does that mix look like from the recruiting world. Obviously, some of them may not have, let's, let's assume they have a clearance. Yeah, or yeah. In, yeah. yeah. So when you're looking at those things, and, and cyber is one of those worlds where you can do a lot more without a degree than you in some other things, although that's that's changing a little bit too, thank goodness. Yeah. Um, but they were some of the leading edge of doing those things. What you want to do is is if the degree itself and even the search without experience aren't, are going to, they might get you that help desk job. Sure. You know, and that's where I think that's what people have to look at is they have to really look and say, what do my skills and my experiences and all that stuff, where are they really going to get me to start off with? And maybe the job, maybe you start off with a help desk job, but you're at a company that got room to grow. You know, that's that's a big piece. The, the problem is when people have un, unreal expectations, mm-hmm. but you can have expectations of even if you don't have a college degree, you know, you can have expectations that you can maybe get some of those jobs, like a help desk job to get, to get started with stuff if you've got the right certs. You know, if you've got, if you... If you don't have the certs, but you've got the experience because you've been doing stuff, then that can be a big piece too because you can still, but you got to tell that story, you know, and that's the story where you got to get to know somebody. Have you found that there are companies that are realize, that are looking and saying, okay, look, we, we've, we've found this niche need. We're going to overpay and bring all these people in. And then they do that and they find, well, we really didn't need that many people for this much of a salary. Is that an issue? You see that as an, as an issue well, in the industry? I don't see it as an, that exactly as an issue, but there, but you're not all, you're not far off of another thing that's very similar to that. First of all, government contracting work is a little bit different because there's a lot of pay scales that are set by the government. So okay. They, they yeah. can't do as much stuff. But one of the things about cybersecurity is, is that nowadays there's a lot of competition for the talent. So there's, right. there's, there's private industry that's competing for the same talent. Yep. Those folks might be willing to throw more money at people because they're trying to get you away from the cleared spaces. You know, and that, that's real competition. And now some of those companies might be doing those things. They will might, they will build a bench sometimes, but that's going to be some of your, your bigger companies. I think we just had a, our talk today was talking about some of those drivers and salary is a big driver, but there's other things like, like company culture and stuff like that. And, 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 and also the career progression part, a good company that can lay out a career progression part. In some ways that might be the kind of thing that can, you know, it's not going to replace salaries or issue, but it's going to. So one of the things I've noticed, and so I'm in a leadership role where I'm at currently, and one of the things I've, issues I've seen is the maturity level of some of the folks coming in, and it's not the same as I'm necessarily you. There's a lot of, I'm not going to do that because I don't really feel like it mm-hmm. kind of thing. So have you, is there, is, is that, is that seem to be a common practice within this mm-hmm. generation coming up that there is a different mindset of what work is actually? Yeah. And I, I don't want to disparage a whole generation. Right. I'm not, I'm, I, like, I got a 21 year old kid myself. Sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, but I do think that as cybersecurity kind of boomed, I mean, it became, it went from being a, a niche industry a lot of times where it was really a specific kind of person who had a specific kind of thought process and really enjoyed it. They were inquisitive and they were doing it because they really, they were solving problems and it made them happy. Yeah. And then as that became a, such a big need for everybody across society, it became the, the hot button sure. thing. So then you had people go, oh, I can make a lot of money 
if I become a cybersecurity expert. Oh, I'll go to this boot camp. I'll get this certification because I'll make a lot of money. And in some cases you can, but you have some, you see more and more people who money becomes the bigger object sometimes, I think. And that's just the nature of any kind of business or any kind of industry where it becomes the, the, the cool thing to do. Yeah. You've got more people, at, especially at the entry level things who are, maybe they're not in it exactly. You know, it doesn't mean they couldn't become interested in it, but they didn't come into it, you know, generically thinking, I just love this job. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. And another issue that has the pandemic caused this, and we we have seen, we started seeing, I've started to see it wane a little bit. Is you know, I just want to work from home. Yeah, I just, can work. From we home. just talked about that too, and that's the piece. Look, cleared folks, you really can't do that. Or maybe you can do it like one day a week every yeah, now and yeah. then. But on the private sector side, there's companies that can go 100% remote, and the people there's a lot of job seekers who really value that. That's a tough thing to go against because if if New York company wants to pay you New York money to live in Huntsville, Alabama, mm. you know, yep. that's, that goes a lot farther. Right. You know, so there is a lot more remote work and it's something that companies are going to have to both, they're going to have to deal with it. They may have to think about what they can do to do it. But then on the flip side of that is if you start to do that, how are you going to keep your company culture? Right. You know, that's, yeah. you, you, you trade one solution for another problem. There's somewhere. a value with knowing, you know, having that personal relationship face to face as opposed to you just see them on a Zoom call. Yeah. You don't really, it's hard to personalize that person just on the video. Yeah, it really is. Virtual work, if you're going to do virtual work, which which is a big thing, and, and you, you need to get, think about having that, but this is where you're, you know, if you're, you really need to know your people, and that means that your program managers, your 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 one step up, you know, your, your, your skip type people going up, need to make some phone calls, you know, at least maybe once a week for a while. Mm-hmm. And it really means a lot if you can call and say, and, and you know, even if you take notes, know those kids' names, you know, know what's going on. Hey, is, you know, is, you know, how's the soccer game go for your daughter last right. week? You know, those things, because once people start to do remote work, that they're going to know the difference between a company that still cares and somebody that's, you're just a number. Great point. You know, it'll be, it's very easy to become just a number. And when, you, when you're just a number, they'll leave for just a bigger number. <laughs> right, right. And beyond just the bigger number, one of the other things we lost a lot of people to, and maybe you can dispel the the belief of what it is, is the unlimited time off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, some, the, the biggest thing for some companies is trying to tell people to, to not work so darn hard when mm-hmm. they're at home. You know, you almost have to say things like, I don't want you to be responding to emails at 10 o'clock at night. Right. And you have to, because the unlimited time off piece, it's, there is a lot of more flexibility, but you have to be able to communicate what's going on and say, you know, uh, I, I'm going to work from home. Be- I'm, home becomes, I'm going to go on a vacation. Right. You know, I'm, yeah. I'll just be working from the hotel. Well, you can do that, but there's got to be a lot of trust involved. Sure. And that's, that's the piece that you only get that trust by, by good communication. So the work, when you make your employees go remote, it does put an extra level of responsibility on the, the program manager and the supervisors to not just track the numbers of times you logged in or not just, you know, did you respond to the emails in, within five minutes or something like that, but to know the person. And that's mm-hmm. a big piece. So how many of these events do you guys do these job fairs for? Well, we do job fairs about 12 to 14 a year all over the country. Um, a lot of those are standalone events. You know, they're just done by us. But we do some, we've, we've been to Huntsville every year for the last six years as mm-hmm. part of this conference. We were just in St. Louis at an FCA conference similar to, to, to this. It was a cybersecurity event. We had the job fair portion. We've done things like this in San Antonio. Um, we, we do a lot of outreach in other places uh, where there's cyber What's work. the success rate for someone who comes to the job fair? You know what? This is what's really interesting. I've been doing this for eight years now. If you're the right person at a job fair like this, you can absolutely get hired. There, there's people who get offers made at these events 
all the time. But it's because they're the right person. You know, right. These, you, you, what we do is we list the companies that are going to be there. We list the positions that they're looking for so that you can feel like if, if you do that, there's a good chance that that recruiter or maybe the program manager is going to be there. And if you've got you know, the, the high-level clearance and great skills, you'll get, you'll get offers right there. But these people are looking for specific stuff. So if you're not a cybersecurity person, that coming to this event would have been okay maybe to get some practice talking to people. Yeah. But it wasn't for you. So if you're the right person, there's a huge success rate here. And usually I assume, so, so when you advertise for these fairs, I assume the, the companies that are coming, do they say what they're looking for? Yeah. Yeah. They say, we'll, we'll have them list, you know, these are the, 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 the job titles they're looking for. Sometimes mm -hmm. they'll even list the locations too. You know, they'll say, we're, this is a Huntsville job. This is a DC job. Right, or something right. like that. Um, but the more we can get that word out there, the more we can try to get the right people to show up at the right job fairs. That's that's the big push. And you have a job fair page on your site? Mm -hmm. Yeah, if you go to clearjobs.net, there's a link that says job fairs. It'll have the list of all of our events. There's only, I think we got three more left uh, in 2022. They're all in, there's two in Northern Virginia, and then there's a virtual event in late November that's going to be kind of nationwide virtual. Yeah, how there. does the virtual event work? That's interesting. Yeah, well, it's um, there's a platform um, that a lot of people use. And so when the job seekers log on, they, they get connected to a recruiter who's in there and then the, the recruiter can either do a chat or they can do a video call or they can do a phone call. Uh, but the, the cool thing about the way the job fairs work in general is we, we, we send the resumes of everybody who pre-registers to all those companies about a week before we even start. So some of those companies actually go through those resumes ahead of time. And if you've got the right skills, they might even invite you to a specific chat. They'll say, hey, can you be on this chat at 2.15 p.m. because we're going to have the program manager that wants to talk to you. Okay. So that's, that's, a, that, that's a huge coup. Um, and then at the, at the end of the day, if you registered for the event at all, we send all those resumes out to all those companies so they all get those as well. But the virtual events, they, they, they're successful enough. We, we didn't do any of them at all until the COVID. You know, we just, nothing, sure. but, nothing but face-to-face. -face. And to yeah. be honest with you, we were a little bit like, well, I don't know about this. They were successful enough that we kept some of the, we, we have, a, you know, a mixture now. They're, they're part of our repertoire. Um, so they're, they, they can be good for companies that are trying to reach out to lots of right. I, I think from, from an employer standpoint, it'd be beneficial because you save money on travel trying to send people to, okay, here's a conference in D.C. I got to fly them from Huntsville to D.C. and back and pay for their lodging to try to, to, try to find yeah. applicants, where as opposed to they can just get online from their desk and solve my problem. Yeah, and you've got, and if you've got remote work or if you've got stuff like that, these are people that are all over the country that can attend, you know, right. it's not just the company that has to fly to D.C. maybe for sure, a Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. You got, and we, we do so much work with the military, people, people transitioning out. So you could be that great hire who wants to come to Huntsville, for example, but you're stuck in Fort Huachuca, Arizona right now. Yeah. You know, but you get out of, you get out of the Army in six months, you know. So this is, those, those virtual events can be a great way for those people to connect with companies too. Cool. Here's a, so this is a side question. It has nothing to do any of this. You may not have an answer. So I got, I got hit with a resume scam. Oh. And I actually got my money back. So I didn't, and I, I should have known better, but I didn't do very good due diligence. Do you guys have a, a spot on the site that kind of talks about um, hiring scams or resume scams, stuff like that? You mean a scam as far as like, did you pay money for someone to do your resume or something? Or what, 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 yeah. So they have selected a winner, and the winner is Michael Wooten with TVA. So I got an email from a guy who claimed to be a, for a comp headhunter company okay. and they, Hey, we, I've got a client. I saw your resume on LinkedIn and I think you'd be a good fit. Mm -hmm. Can you send me your resume? Go, okay. Yeah. I'll send you my resume. What the hell? I mean, that, there wasn't, there was no link for me to click. I didn't have to open a document. I just had to send him a document. Yeah. So I sent him a document. 
Um, and he comes back, goes, hey, I'm going to send this to this person who is the program manager over this recruiting effort. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, whatever. Yeah. So that guy, he's like, hey, I tried to open in your email, but I couldn't, it was formatted funny. I couldn't put it in our system. Um, do you have another version? So I sent him a different version. He goes, yeah, that one still doesn't work. Can you go to like this place and have them convert it to some format that'll fit in our system? I'm like, all right. So I went to the website, like $89. And, and, and the only reason this worked was because I had tried to put my resume into a site years ago. And, you know, those sites where it, they'll pull your resume and it pulls pieces out, but yeah. it's not formatted correctly yeah, at all. Yeah. So I figured that must be what that's for. So I figured these guys are going to format it to whatever their product was. And then they did that and it came back and I'm like, this looks exactly like what I sent them. I don't see any new kind of thing to this. Um, send it to the guy, and then they went dark. So I figured, oh, this must be a scam. So I did a bunch more due diligence and yeah. that I should have done and said, oh, okay. And I ended up, because it was a PayPal that I paid through PayPal, reversed the charge back to me mm -hmm. within 24 hours. So I didn't lose any money, but I went on LinkedIn and said, hey, just not for nothing, here's what happened to me. You guys should know about yeah. it. And I got 25 people saying, I got that same email. Wow. I'm glad I saw this on LinkedIn. So I'm just curious just from an intelligence perspective. Yeah, that, you know, that, what I can tell you, I haven't heard that story specifically, but I can 100% believe it. And I think it's one of those, it's a scheme that preys on people who, if you're looking for a job, you yep. know, there's a lot of people who are very desperate. You know, the longer you don't yep. have your job, you're thinking to yourself, I'll do anything. So right. that's, a, that's an easy scam type thing to, to shoot out there. You know, um, and dealing with, with those types of recruiters at all. I mean, one of the things that's, that's a little bit different about our job board compared to other job boards, and this is because we're so focused on people with clearances, is we don't allow third-party or staffing firms to have access to our site at all. Oh, okay. So the only companies who have access are companies that have cage codes, and they're hiring for their own people. Right. You know, uh, but, but that's kind of one of the reasons. If, if we've got people with, you know, uh, full-scope poly, CI poly type resumes, we don't want just... Joe Schmuckatelli, you know, from from so and so staffing, to take that resume and then start throwing it to everybody. Right. You know, so if your company gets gets a resume from ClearedJobs.net, they're going to keep it at their company because they've got a, a need for cleared people. Right. You know, but as far as the the, the staff, the that little scammy piece goes, I I can 100% believe it. I haven't heard it, but I would definitely be be weary of anybody who doesn't represent themselves or represent the company that they're right. They're actually saying that if they just say I can get this to a program manager, mm -hmm. you know. Well, they had gone pretty far. They'd, they'd created a website. Oh, I'm sure that looked, yeah. le looked legit. And the guy said it, just, and it, was, it was just wow. fine. Wow. I, I thought yeah, it was, to check that out. Bad on more. me, but it was, uh, it was, it was, a, it was actually, and it costed me nothing. I was going to say it was a good $89 story I could tell, but yeah. it's not as bad as my friend who's another cyber guy who his son got, got um, victimized on a $250 NFT scam. So, oh. yeah, but yeah. he's got that story. Well, Bob, <laughs> thanks so much for coming out. I appreciate it. Clearedjobs.net if you are, have a clearance and looking for jobs anywhere. And I assume it's not just cybersecurity, right? It's all sorts no, of yeah, jobs. Yeah, all, right? all, all kinds of government jobs, clearance stuff, everything from, you know, Intel stuff to financial people mm -hmm. to, you know, admin assistants. I mean, they're looking for the hardest thing in the world to find is a full-scope poly-cleared janitor, believe it or not. <laughs> I would but imagine they, so. But they need them, and when they... <laughs> It's, it can be really, really tough to, to find those things. So it's not just cyber, but we know that cyber is so, so yeah. important. We've been deep in the cyber community. So that's why we've been at, at Cyber Summit here in Huntsville for so many years. And we'll be back next year. Sounds good. I appreciate you stopping by. Yeah, I appreciate it, Thanks, brother. sir. Have a good Bye -bye. one. So I want to thank Chandler Hall and Bob Wheeler and really everybody who joined me at the Cyber Guy 
booth at the National Cyber Summit here in Huntsville back in September for taking the time to talk to me about the things important to them, things in the cybersecurity world and, and things happening in cyber that they can help with and that, that their businesses do. And um, I hope that that you enjoyed all those interviews. I'll get back to um, a single single type interview uh, as the podcast roll forward as we're, we're only 50. This is episode 85 as I was getting this particular episode set. So we're closing in on episode 100. Um, I think next week uh, when I do episode 86, it may just be me talking by myself unless I can find a last minute uh, interview replacement. But it's Thanksgiving week. That may be a little tougher, but we'll come up with something. As always, if you have thoughts, questions, comments, if you have ideas for interviewees, please email me, Darren at the cyberguy.com, cyber spelled C-Y-B-U-R. You can also follow me on LinkedIn, linkedin.com slash I-N slash Darren Mott, D-A-R-R-E-N-M-O-T-T. As you go through your week, know knowledge is protection. If we can understand the threats that are targeting us, we can assess our online risk and proceed wisely. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen. Uh, if you do listen, make sure you subscribe at wherever you are downloading this podcast. Tell your friends and family. Um, the more listeners, the better. If uh, we get more listeners, I can I can do more things. So I greatly appreciate it. Please, again, email me with any thoughts, questions, or comments. Until then, have a great Thanksgiving, and we will talk to you soon. 